a focus summary of chapters 20 through 22 of Pride and Prejudice. No sooner has Elizabeth opened the door to the breakfast room than Mrs. Bennet comes to congratulate Mr. Collins on the happy prospect of their nearer connection. Mr. Collins returns her congratulations with equal pleasure. But when he relates the particulars of the proposal, Mrs. Bennet is less confident than he that Elizabeth meant to encourage him by protesting it. She assures him that though Lizzie is headstrong and foolish, she will be made to see reason. But Mr. Collins is not sure that a marriage brought about by force to someone foolish is likely to make him happy. Hurrying to her husband, she calls out that he must come and make Elizabeth marry Mr. Collins, since she says she will not have him, and he begins to say he will not have her. Mr. Bennet asks that Elizabeth be called down to hear his opinion on the matter. Elizabeth appears and confirms that the offer was made and rejected. When Mrs. Bennet threatens never to speak to Elizabeth again if she does not accept the proposal, Mr. Bennet wryly bemoans that she is at risk of losing a parent, because her mother will never see her again if she does not marry Mr. Collins, and he will never see her again if she does. Disappointed in her husband, Mrs. Bennet seeks the support of Jane, who declines interfering. Mrs. Bennet tries again and again to influence Elizabeth, by threats or by coaxing, but Elizabeth's determination never wavers. When Charlotte Lucas comes to spend the day with them, she is told the news first by Lydia, then by Kitty, and then by Mrs. Bennet, who entreats her to persuade Lizzie to comply with her family's wishes. At that moment, Lizzie and Jane come in, and Mrs. Bennet makes a self-pitying speech, warning that Lizzie's headstrong ways may mean she never marries at all, that there will be no one to maintain her when Mr. Bennet is dead, and that she refuses ever to speak to so undutiful a child as she. Mr. Collins comes in, and Mrs. Bennet demands that everyone hold their tongues and let her have a conversation with him. All but Lydia, who is determined to hear everything, leave them to themselves. To her mournful exclamation, "'Oh, Mr. Collins!' he says, with exaggerated stateliness, but a voice that betrays his displeasure, that he is resigned to the situation, particularly given the doubts he now has that he would have found happiness if she had accepted.' He stiffly withdraws his pretensions to her favor, assures Mrs. Bennet that he meant well, and asks her forgiveness if his behavior has been at all reprehensible. With the discussion of Mr. Collins's offer at an end, Elizabeth is left uncomfortable, her mother peevish, and Mr. Collins resentfully silent. All his attentions are transferred to Miss Lucas, whose civility in listening to him relieves the rest. Against Elizabeth's hopes, he makes no plans to shorten his visit. After breakfast, the girls walk to Meryton and meet up with Wickham. He confesses to Elizabeth that his absence from the ball had been self-imposed, because he wished to spare the guests the unpleasant scenes his presence might arouse. She has leisure to express her approval of his forbearance when he and another officer accompany her on her walk back to Longbourn. Upon their return, a letter arrives for Jane from Caroline Bingley. Though, after reading it, Jane tries to join the conversation with cheerfulness, Elizabeth can see that she is anxious. After Wickham and his friend leave, a glance from Jane invites Elizabeth to follow her upstairs. The letter says that the whole party have left for London with no intention to return. 
Elizabeth hears its contents with distrust. She is surprised by their sudden departure, but she does not believe the sister's absence from Netherfield will prevent Bingley from being there. Jane reads on, and though Caroline suggests Bingley does not intend to return that winter, Elizabeth believes only that Caroline does not intend him to. Jane disagrees, saying Bingley is surely his own master. Then she goes on to read to Elizabeth the part that hurts her most, in which Caroline relates her eagerness to see Darcy's sister Georgiana, and her hopes that she might someday call her sister. Jane interprets her to be saying that Caroline does not wish her to be her sister, that she believes Bingley indifferent to her, and that she means kindly to put Jane on her guard. Elizabeth protests that Caroline sees her brother is in love with Jane and has dragged him to town so she might persuade him to marry Miss Darcy. She thinks they are not rich or grand enough for Miss Bingley, who she also thinks is trying to improve her chances with Darcy by marrying her brother to his sister. But she does not for a moment believe her scheme will succeed. Jane rejects her interpretation, declaring that she knows Caroline to be incapable of willfully deceiving anyone, a conclusion Elizabeth regards as senselessly benevolent. Elizabeth's firm conviction that Bingley will return to Netherfield gives Jane hope. They agree to tell their mother only of the departure of the family, but Mrs. Bennet is no less concerned. At length, she consoles herself that Bingley will soon come for dinner at Longbourn, and that she will take care to have two full courses. The Bennets dine with the Lucases that evening, and when Miss Lucas again is kind enough to listen to Mr. Collins, Elizabeth little suspects that her real motive is to secure a proposal from him herself. The next morning Mr. Collins sneaks out of Longbourn to avoid the notice of his cousins, not wanting them to know of his attempt until it has been proven successful. Seeing him from an upper window, Charlotte runs down to meet him in the lane, and in as short a time as Mr. Collins's speeches will allow, everything is settled between them. Sir William and Lady Lucas bestow their approval with cheerfulness, regarding Mr. Collins as a most eligible match for their daughter. Her younger sisters hope this will allow them to come out sooner than they might have otherwise, and her brothers are relieved she will not die an old maid. Charlotte herself is satisfied. She finds Mr. Collins foolish and irksome, and she believes his attachment to her imaginary, but she knows that for a woman of small fortune, marriage is the best preservative from want. Her only discomfort is that she knows Elizabeth will disapprove, and she makes Mr. Collins swear secrecy until she can deliver the news to her friend herself. Planning to take his leave in the early morning, Mr. Collins makes his farewells to the family that night. When Mrs. Bennet invites him to visit again as soon as he can, and he happily accepts, Mr. Bennet, hoping to delay his return, warns that it would be better not to run the risk of offending his patroness, and assures him that they will not be offended by his absence. Mr. Collins promises a letter of gratitude for his affectionate attention. He wishes them all well, even his cousin Elizabeth, and withdraws. Mrs. Bennet chooses to believe he plans to return soon to pay address to one of her younger daughters, perhaps Mary, who she thinks more likely than the others to be prevailed upon to accept. But this hope is done away with by the news Miss Lucas brings Elizabeth. Elizabeth is so astonished that she overcomes the bounds of decorum, declaring it to be impossible. 
Recovering herself, she manages to express gladness with the prospect and to wish Charlotte happiness. Charlotte expresses sympathy with Elizabeth's surprise, but it is her belief that she has as great a chance of happiness with Mr. Collins as most can hope for in marriage. Elizabeth quietly agrees, and, after an awkward pause, they return to the family. Elizabeth remains troubled by the unsuitability of the match. She is distressed by the strangeness of Mr. Collins making two offers within three days, by Charlotte's willingness to sacrifice her feelings to worldly advantage, by the idea of her friend disgracing herself by marrying such a fool, and by her conviction that it was impossible for her friend to be happy with the lot she has chosen.' 